All right. We are back. Another episode of Haven of Horror, and we have the Canadian ghost. I haven't made that joke in a while. Uh, And, of course, Milton and Subject. Uh, We're doing something a little different. We had a bunch of, like, 2021 movies planned, but uh, fortunately, the late, great Richard Donner passed away. Uh, Rest in peace. And Austin suggested, let's do The Omen. But if you're new here, we do two movies every week, so we needed a movie to pair with it. So we're doing The Exorcist. And I really wish I'd watched these maybe a little spaced out. Uh, (laughs) But before then, as always, we have some news to go over. Uh, And Austin, I'm going to just kind of pick on you a little bit because you you haven't been here in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, What are your thoughts on the Chucky show coming out this October? Um, well, I don't know much about it, but I think it could be cool, that thing that maybe doesn't justify being a show, like, just, like, the whole slasher idea, like, I feel like it could feel drawn out, depending on how it's done, uh, but it could be really cool, it just depends on how it is. You, uh, you should watch that show Slasher on Netflix, uh, it's, each season is, like, a slasher story, kind of like American Horror Story, but for slashers. Oh, cool. They get they get away with some shit because it's on Netflix. <laughs> oh yeah, but they'll get canceled after three seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention briefly, I'm not going to go into too, too much detail, but apparently, Clive Barker's original Hellraiser three pitch is what evolved eventually evolved into Brandon Fraser's Mummy movie. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think we might need to go into a little detail there because I think Austin's mind just broke. It, it did. Was Hellraiser three supposed to be Indiana Jones <laughs> in, the, in the quest for the puzzle box of doom? Like, so okay. At least I assumed it was the Brandon Fraser mummy. I pulled up the article here. Apparently, Clay Barker was going to make a mummy film. Um, Barker's hair. Yeah, he wrote a script with Garrus that in pure Barker fashion that would have been in its much more own bizarre metaphysical and psychosexual thing than any kind of straightforward remake of the original. That That's what I want to see in a mummy movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah, because they, they ripped the genitals out through the nose. Okay, so apparently one of the original ideas was that a Hellraiser movie would be set partly in ancient Egypt. And revealed that the very first Cenobite was an overly curious pharaoh. Yeah, so basically, I guess it's more talking about what his mummy movie would have been. But because that doesn't exist, they used, like, the Brandon Fraser mummy, like, artwork. Uh, so I just assumed oh. it was... <laughs> uh, and Austin, the news link is in the newsroom. You check our Discord more. No. Um, yeah, I know. What other news we get? Yeah, not a lot this week. Um, I don't know if because you, you weren't here. I don't know if you looked at it, uh, but the original Day of the Dead cast is reuniting for a Night of the Living Dead two. Oh, weird! <laughs> not the directorial portion, just the uh, main cast, the actors yeah. and actresses. Are, are you excited oh, for Night of the Living Dead two? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we know who's directing it? Uh, we did at one point. Let me. Yeah. Is it I McGee? clicked on the. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Let me pull the article back up here. Exactly. So apparently the, the director of this movie is Marcus Slabine, Slabine, who directed The Dark Offerings, and I don't, I don't know what that is, but apparently it's going to be set on an island. Okay. My guess That's is they're going to call this Night, Night of the, the Living, Living Dead. Dead Island. Well, so my guess is they're going to be calling this Night of the Living Dead 2, but play it like a sequel to Day of the Dead, because if you remember the end of Day of the Dead, they're on that, like, island. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yeah, be really just strange. Taking the title of the one that's more recognizable, no, and the one that's in public Dave. domain. How about mm-hmm. Second Night of the Living Dead or something? If we're just gonna go on the theme of stuff, you expect them to be creative. I mean, like, I'm not expecting that much from this project. Dusk of the Living Dead, Twilight of the Living Dead. Well, it's funny because those Dusk and Twilight for a long time were like the rumored titles of Land of the Dead. Because we thought he would just keep with the the theme. No, but he went with my favorite type of day. Land. Land. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're just going to hop into it. Um, Austin, we've been doing these just kind of in release order. uh, Because, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. These are from the 70s. So I'm going to let you talk about The Exorcist. So talk about The Exorcist. I had... (laughs) I had my description for The Exorcist thought out. So, The Exorcist is about a actress whose daughter gets possessed and she needs to help she needs the help of Rocky Balboa who is a priest and he comes in and investigates. And that is The Exorcist. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna look like that doesn't he but... <laughs> yeah and he's a boxer and he's got the gray jumpsuit and he runs in it <laughs> it, it's it's think just... the exorcist was inspired by rocky just the moment he goes up those stairs and gets to the final step he's he's ready to just box a demon out of the yeah, world exactly exactly and that's why you get like the end where he's punching her out <laughs> and that was the inspiration for rocky four Exactly. Exactly. He, he ended the demons the... and the Cold War all, all at once. Don't you remember the demons saying, "I must break you" from a little girl's mouth? <laughs> Your mother is being broken in hell. <laughs> so I, uh, this is my first viewing. Uh, Milton, have you seen? Have you seen this one before? I know you saw one of these before. Yeah, so um, I saw The Exorcist way back when. Um, I watched it for film class, one of my film classes in college, um, and just discussed the themes, process, and whatnot. Also discussed a little bit its relation to the uh, source material, the novel that it's based off of. It's only it's kind of plays fast and loose with some of it, but for the most part, it's a pretty decent adaptation. That's so interesting because it's the movie. same writer, yeah. Mm, yeah, interesting. Spooky possessed girls scare me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess then this is an odd one out because I'm the only one here who hadn't seen this before. Um, I I was talking to Austin a little bit while we while I was watching it, just you know, because it helps my mind if I'm doing at least two things at once. I don't know why, but I, uh, I'm just nuts like that. Um, I didn't know what to expect from this movie, and we're late because I didn't realize it was two hours long. <laughs> I thought it was like 90 minutes. So it's like, oh, I've got time. And then I looked at the runtime and oh. I was like, shit. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Both of these movies are like two hours long. <laughs> uh, so I had always assumed that this was just kind of like 
we start at the possession and then it's kind of like a spiral from there. But no, the I would say what, like the first half of this movie is just build up. Yep. Mm. Yep. Um, very impressive performances from everyone. Linda Blair does an amazing job at not only being the little girl, but being the demon, at least physically. I sh- did they like distort her voice, or is that someone else? That's uh, someone else's voice. Dubbed. Okay. Yeah. I no, just that was the era of dubbing. <laughs> it, it's pretty good dubbing. I mean, that or they shot it well enough that you can't tell that it's not synced up. Probably a hundred percent. Very seventies in its style, but it's meant to look disturbing, which is effective considering the techniques were not very clean back then. So a lot. Of oh, stuff dude, I've winced in. a couple of times. Good that that was the desired effect. Oh no, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just say up front, I adored this movie. I will oh. definitely watch this again. Oh yeah, um, I loved, loved it back then. Still love it now. Yeah, I um I was lucky enough to get to see it in the theater or not the theater, the drive in last year and it was awesome. <laughs> we we have established you were younger than us, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because when you said it's like send it I saw it in theaters, it's like, wait, how old is Austin? <laughs> uh no no uh, is he actually a ghost that just died a long time ago. I'm Pazuzu. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, but, uh, but, uh, cool. yeah. I liked the mom quite a bit as well and then that other woman that was with her is that just like one of her maids oh okay mm-hmm. yeah just like a helper at the house yeah. Um, I also He's didn't playing. realize she was an actress at first uh, cause like they're, they're shooting that thing at the school and I was like is this a commercial or like a supposed to be a movie in the movie like but it makes it, you know, clear enough late, uh, as we go on that she's famous. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the director is a big part of the movie. Yes, uh, that was played by uh, Jack uh, McGowan. This was his final film role before he died. Oh, he went out on a high uh, The director, uh, like the director character, Burke? Yep. yep. Oh, interesting. I didn't think, like, he doesn't seem that old. Uh, his death was in 1973. How old Wait, was he? Wait, no. Yeah, 1973. He was 54 years old. Ah, so he wasn't that old. It said he died from uh, influenza after complications resulting in the recent London flu epidemic of the time. Damn. Crazy. That's a shame. Um, yeah. I really liked the pastor, the preacher character. and I would say he's the one that gets most closely to a traditional arc in this movie because uh, he kind of starts out you know the skeptic and this movie is about I guess believing in a higher power at least for him uh, what do you think uh, Austin? Uh, well I think it's interesting so the copy I have of this movie is like this big anniversary set and it's got you know both cuts and it comes with a little snippet of um, I think it's William Friedberg's autobiography yes um and at the beginning of the movie it plays like a two-minute uh kind of introduction from him and he talks about how um like the film kind of works in a way that if you come in being more cynical you'll walk away getting that from the movie but if you come in more optimistic that's how you kind of see the movie's ending 
and I thought that was really interesting because I can like I can see where he was coming from with that because it's easy to look at it and be like you know like our big hero character you know uh, dies by the end and then there's also the look of well good tri- triumph over evil you know yeah so I guess I'm looking at it more of an, from an optimistic route because at least my takeaway was that he sacrificed himself to save this girl so even though he died he still did some good because the demon is no longer in um, Regan yeah, Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. Reagan. Yep. Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I've I've actually been excited to talk about this with other people for a while. Uh, when I discussed it in film class, there was an idea put around by myself that even gave to my put professor... several several super powered people together. No, several uh, possessed people. Oh, the uh, the Conjuring cinematic universe. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, there, there was an idea that the film and novel, in some ways, have this this theme. It's always of the older generation of the church not necessarily properly preparing the next generation. In some ways, like that that of a theme, where like the old sins of like certain people kind of hold them back in some ways. Um, of course, we recognize that the older priest is like an addiction to like some sort of drug that that we establish early on in the film. And that he still has this addiction, and that's, or or at least it's alluded that this is what causes his death at the end, because of comp- medical complications. And mm-hmm. we also have the uh, main, uh, you know, priest uh, skepticism and his own personal doubt and guilt with with the dealing of his mother, and how that goes into that. Um, it's not just the process in of itself that exorcism that is supposed to save the girl; it's actual faith that goes into it. And the two have some old sense that they are that that they are being held back, and the fact that they won't exactly um, commit to confronting that sort of like darkness inside of themselves. In a way, how can they be able to if they can't exercise this demon from the girl? Um, it's in some ways it's alluding to the fact that they can't exercise their own sense out of themselves either. They can't do this of their own power. It's not until it's not until um, Damien actually is able to make a sacrifice that he's actually able to save someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I I'm not gonna comment too heavily on I guess the spiritual more ideas in this movie because that's way outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, Milton, of you course, ask me about it. Milton, of course, you know, is be more than welcome that. Input from that certain point of view, but um, just as a story, I thought it was interesting that the church had kind of moved past uh, exorcisms as a like practice. Um, they they kind of mixed, you know, like science where oh, you know, demons aren't really possessing people; people just think they're possessed. Um, which I guess is somewhat of a skeptic myself. I you know appreciated that it's not just immediately oh, there's a demon; we have to go get. We have to go get it out of her. Uh, and I think there's an interesting debate to be made about combining religion and medicine or keeping them separate. Yeah, there's definitely some sections, um, some Christian some Christian or pseudo-Christian sects that believe in only the idea of you must only use prayer, and that is the only way that things can be cured. And it's like, no, that's not even what the Bible says. But... Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, like, age-old and, like, mysticism that's in, like, certain heretical sections. Um, 
it there's definitely there's definitely something where like the church definitely has to be a bit more open to the idea of yeah if someone's sick give them actual medicine that sort of thing but the, but but i do appreciate in some ways that there's an like an actual metaphysical threat in this movie because i think it adds the tension and the fact that there is actually a demon possessing this girl definitely adds some more you know discussion of themes and whatnot rather than it just being like something that's self-made for uh Reagan. so austin i know you're more leading towards where i am on the whole religion spirituality aspects uh at least in real life what is kind of your read on this movie's thoughts on religion um well i think one thing i appreciate about this movie from what i understand is that you have the writer um william peter blatty i think his name is uh who is more religious and then you have the director william friedkin who isn't and i think that kind of balance between them uh, is really felt throughout the film especially um, I think one of the strongest things is that it's not just like, oh, your daughter's possessed. Boom. Let's religious answer. Like he, they go through every single thing that they can possibly do. And that is the last resort. And it's, yeah, maybe it'll act as a placebo effect. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the mom does a really good job of just being this, like, you know, she's stressed. Her daughter is going through all these tests, which as someone who had a parent who went through a lot of medical tests to try to, you know, figure out something, what was wrong with him, you know, that stuff's never easy to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first time I squirmed a little bit is during the big test scene where they like are putting the needle in her throat. I've seen that done, yeah. something similar to that done in real life. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that seems brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, like, great work with practical effects in this movie. They use a whole full dummy for, like, the head rotation thing. I saw the director's cut, so I've seen. There was also the whole thing where she kind of, like, spider walks a bit. Also, the the whole, like, crucifixion, like, self-mutilation scene. There's that as well. Um, it's There's just a lot of great practical effects, and one of the reasons why I like practical effects over CGI sometimes. And Although not, I not just that, but also just amazing makeup. Yeah. Although um, I do have to ask, I don't know if it's this was just a thing in the seventies or if it's a medical thing, but like I don't know. I feel like she lost a lot of blood because they just kept like letting it spray out everywhere <laughs> during that medical test. I was oh. like, "You're getting blood everywhere. What are you doing?" <laughs> true, true. We have to give some suspension display, but that is fair. Um, but I. It depends on how you look at it. I mean, it didn't ruin the movie by far for me, but yeah. it made me laugh. But it is a good question. Like, how many pints of blood are in a human child or something like that? Like, eight pints or somewhere between six and eight pints. That would be a lot, yeah. yeah. A the lot other more thing than I was. Like... Yeah. The other thing I was just thinking about during this movie is this movie is what The Conjuring wants to be really badly. Or something in, more in similar to this, but then they just make schlock. Well, I mean, this movie basically created a, created an entire genre. <laughs> and the next movie we're talking about is one of those movies. Mm -hmm. um, funnily enough, yeah. also featuring a person named Damien. Yep. And but Damien's in a very a, different role. Damien definitely has a popular name to it. And apparently, like, a lot of people just didn't want to name their child Damien <laughs> after... Uh, 
you know, surprise me. I think that name's still kind of synonymous with that. <laughs> I still hear yeah. that a lot. Like Damien, Lucius, Lucian, any stuff like that that gives like some connotation of like Lightbringer or someone who has a name that just seems this guy's all right. Oh god, Austin's ruined the word Lightbringer for me. Um anyway. <laughs> uh so back to this movie. I really like I'm not normally one for slow burn horror. Uh, Austin can attest to this. I like the schlocky, like, Evil Dead 2 or, you know, Friday the 13th. I thought this was perfectly paced. Never was I, why are we still here? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's it's slow in a different way. Like, it's not, um, it's not like, okay we're we're giving you very much like the minutia detail and then by like the third act this is where everything explodes like we're still doing stuff throughout it's just we're not seeing it mm-hmm. um the exorcist written by george r r martin <laughs> yeah like um they leave a lot to the imagination for the first while uh like things like burke's death and um desecration of the uh, statue of mary in the um in the church and if you're paying attention like all of the details are there like even before even before then uh like you see reagan for example she's doing her clay stuff and that's the stuff that she uses to desecrate that statue um you know and even the famous head twist thing is her making fun of her killing Burke. So I, I have, why am I getting an echo? Okay, that was weird. I was getting an echo there for a second. So I have to ask, uh do you guys buy that Reagan is perfectly fine physically after all of this? But I guess there's a whole thing about, like, spiritually, like, inflicted wounds that I guess means as soon as the demon escapes, she's fine now. It's this whole, it's a whole movie effect thing of, like, like, once you're a zombie, for instance, and we can attest to this with the Day of the Dead remake, as soon as you're infected, you start looking like you're halfway into the grave. Oh my god, I'm cured, you don't look that... I never told Austin about this, so Austin of the Dead... Sidetrack real quick, because uh, you we haven't really talked too much about some movies. Whoa, right? <laughs> Extreme close up. <laughs> uh, so Austin, in the remake of Day of the Dead, the moment you get infected, you instantly go from just a normal person to a half rotten corpse in like a second. <laughs> it's amazing, but also terrible. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and like a lot of the stuff that happens to her in the movie, I think you could write off as, oh, you know, she's recover, she's recovering. But I mean, her head went all the way around. Like, I feel like that would leave some like issues, you know? It, it probably would, but we can, I guess that what we have to accept from the movie is that this is the, once the possessed body is no longer possessed, then the girl is fine, which is movie magic i suppose but yeah i I guess the thing is is that maybe you know because the the demon can maybe twist it twist it back and it's what kind of keeps it alive and then after that like the like it kind of heals itself you know like uh yeah maybe 
I'd almost like to imagine that Reagan, like, as soon as she's not possessed, it's like, oh, and her head spins the other way back like a like a wind up tool, and then she's fine again. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, when she uh, when she loses the demon, you can see she still has like cuts on her legs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've seen, and I I am admittedly uh, this is way outside of my wheelhouse. As anybody who knows me well knows, I hate possession movies because uh, I think they're all typically the same thing or just really boring. They're well, all this, this was... but they're all this but dumber. Yeah. yeah, essentially, this is the first. This is the first like big one where it's a whole possession thing. This is the. This one is what I've been looking for from this genre, and you will probably never fight in it again. Unfortunately, I do want to watch the show though because I've heard the show was good. I haven't seen it. I'd be up for watching it um, eventually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one thing I want to comment on, and I think this actually helps the pacing. The sound design is fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a bit as well with some of the moving images. Like, despite the fact that a lot of stuff here is rather banal, the fact that we get quick cuts and, like, sometimes loud or absence of sound in many ways creates a moment of suspense, especially in the dream sequence where we have, like, almost no sound at certain portions except, except for ambience. Like, the moment when, like, Reagan's scream comes in after the dream, it it's like small portions of like understanding the or the absence of something is that should be there then we finally get it but it's way too loud creates creates almost uh like a like a sense of dread and horror in some ways speaking of uh sound design uh sorry to interrupt no no problem uh, austin uh, there was a few sequences just of the soundtrack where i was getting kind of like carpenter vibes and it might just be me associating carpenter with keyboard uh, but there's a few keyboard tracks in here. Did you have anything like that, or is that just you're just kind of used to that uh, sound for these this era of film? I guess just kind of used to that sound. Uh, but the soundtrack in this film, the soundtrack in both of these films are uh, wonderful, well, and in music, very different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. The music was done by a Jack Nitzschi. Or Nitzschi. I thought he was going to say Jack Nicholson. No. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's professionally known, but Bernard Alfred uh, or something like that just had a lot of experience in that sort of thing in yeah, you know, music Jack in Nicholson. general with jazz, with jazz. and uh, I think uh, his first thing was uh, Village of the Giants and from then on just had a reputation uh, for just this kind of weird sound, but it works really well. Yeah, yeah, Jack Nicholson sla- like woke up uh, that morning. He slapped the hooker out of his bed, and he wrote the music to The Exorcist. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm a, the other way. I'm kind of out of my wheelhouse here. Is I'm not a big '70s film expert. Uh, you know, most of my films, I'm a, I'm an '80s film, at least in horror guy. I'd like to go back and see more '70s films because obviously, you know, Day of the De- Dawn of the Dead. This and um, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, are all 70s masterpieces. I was a little surprised that they were able to keep some of the stuff in this movie in the movie. For 73? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> this was a very controversial movie for its time, even with all the stuff. Oh, I've in. heard. I just can't believe a studio agreed to release this. Uh, and Austin, yeah, I think you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. Yeah. Warner Brothers, of all people, approved this movie. 
That's How do you a... get that cross scene in this movie through Warner Brothers? So uh... I'm gonna guess because it is the cross scene uh, operates in the same way that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre does, which is you don't actually see anything, but you see enough that you can imagine the rest. Like, keep in mind, you just see cross goes up, cross goes down, cut, cut back, crosses up. Like you don't actually see anything there so i'm gonna have to imagine it comes down to that but that's what makes it like as horrifying like it's the same thing as in texas chainsaw massacre the big thing that people remember when he like impales the woman on the uh spike you don't see anything like it's he goes up cuts she's on the spike like you don't actually see what's happening that would yeah. be my guess yeah but then we... right after that you also get the the kiss me mommy scene that took that was i think an even bigger surprise than just the cross scene i was like what the fuck how did they do this in the 70s but yeah no definitely like we it was still hard even with all this stuff to actually get things like properly you know viewed there was a whole ratings controversy where this was this film could have been rated x and it was highly debated on before, like, the ratings board finally settled on its R rating. But, yeah, sense. even then, um, like, with video nasties in general, there were viewing restrictions in the United Kingdom, in which that, in which in the United Kingdom, there was, like, a huge ban on a lot of what they called video nasties at the time, with a lot of grindhouse pictures and what. So this was still in the heyday of, you know, a lot of these movies actually just being banned in a lot of countries, actually. The now US we're making just... movies about that era. Yeah. When yeah. The, there was a lot of, you know, kind of hysteria in the theaters with people watching it, too. I imagine. Like, this is a legitimately... I think even to this day, if you if you go into this blind like I did, other than, you know, the, the like, iconic mm. head turn and the piece The soup. poster shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. but yeah. If you go into this just blind... You get to that cross scene, like, that is still legitimately disturbing. Because, like, it's a twofold, right? You get this the image of her doing that with the cross. But then you also get the kiss me mommy scene. And I'm not going to describe what that is. Because if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you haven't, go watch the movie. Then come back. <laughs> No, it, no, this yeah. this movie goes places that a lot of, like, movies at the time would not go to, which in some ways, like, helps generate some buzz, because this movie doesn't pull its punches. <laughs> no, it does it. not. But, I, but that is something that one can appreciate as a, like, you know, a film appreciator. And viewer, uh, seeing, seeing the lengths that they were willing to go at the time, just to get the point across of, yeah, this is brutal, this is horrific. And it should be noted as well, I think Austin and I both watched the theatrical cut. I think you mentioned you watched the director's cut. Um, so, yeah, well, this is my first time watching the theatrical. Uh, before this, I'd only ever seen the director's cut. So I, Did like, they I'm show the director's in the, dri the drive-in? Yeah. Oh, weird. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I assumed it would be theatrical. And then, because um, I didn't know enough about the changes, because I'd only seen the director's cut before then. But once I got to the spider walk scene i was like okay this is this is the director's cut and speaking of director change that everybody knows and speaking of directors 
three famous directors have like described this as their favorite movie of all time. And that would be Stanley Kubrick, Robert Eggers, and David Fincher, who all had their own. Uh, Kubrick surprises me a little yeah. bit. The other two don't. And uh, Martin Scorsese was one of the 11 scariest horror movies of all time. But <laughs> this film was a high inspiration for a lot of people, a lot of famous directors. Say that again, Austin. Said I had the opposite of you. I grant, granted, I'm not as familiar with David Fincher. I need to watch more of his movies. Uh, but I can see like Eggers and Kubrick um, taking yeah. inspiration from this movie. Well, I just mean that this high, yeah. Well, see, I just meant that like Eggers and Finch or Fincher. I don't know how old Fincher is, but like I assume they were young when that movie came out. They probably saw it as like teenagers or young adults, and it left an impact on them. With Kubrick, I mean, by seventy three, he was already well into making movies, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Fincher is fifty eight. He probably would have been. 11 or 10 when that movie was released for the first time. Yeah, yeah. so like with those two, it makes more sense because they would have grown up with it. Whereas Kubrick, I imagine more of his favorite movies would be the older, like maybe 40s or 50s. Mm, that's fair. I think the only reason that didn't shock me is rewatching it this time, I got kind of that shining, eerie feel where I was like, ah, like I'm getting some of that where I'm not exactly. I'm not scared because most horror films, admittedly, like don't really scare me. Like it's just it's a different feeling when you. I think when you're into the genre, um, but it was that kind of like oof, like this is this is creepy. Like <laughs> it's intense, and yeah. and I think part of that comes from the fact that the I don't want to say. Well, I guess in a way, antagonist is a twelve year old girl, but she's also the protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. And Linda Blair does such a good job at making that character likable before shit goes down that you're like, oh god, what do you stop? Like, what are you doing? Well, that's another thing that this movie is basically, like, you know, basically created was the uh, the evil child uh, cliche that you see a lot uh-huh. in horror films now, and it's still a shining example of like one of the best ones. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I've seen a few, and it's. It's usually just overly obvious. Oh, they're evil. Do, do you get it? They're evil. Uh, like we were talking about earlier. I haven't seen it yet, but we were talking about earlier the uh, orphan. Uh, I'd like to see that because the twist seems interesting. But it's like, I don't know. She just looks evil. Like <laughs> <laughs> There's no like subtlety to it. With this one, it's like Re- Regan, Reagan, whale. Uh just looks like a normal girl, you know? And then she starts saying shit, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Very vulgar stuff, and for the, for the, especially for 70s, you know? Well, I mean, we also had, like, a huge, like, run of films beforehand in, like, the B-movie genre. Some within the main public eye that this was, like, the beginning trend towards darker and more gorier uh, yeah, which is my jam. But yeah. uh, the only Brian other Ray. movie that I know of that Linda Blair is in, I want to see because it's directed by the guy who did Friday Five, and apparently it's one of the most vulgar films Jay from Red Letter Media has ever seen. Mr. Which movie? I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's oh. the only <laughs> other movie I know that Linda Blair is in. Uh, Red Letter Media mentions it in their Friday the Thirteenth review because it's directed by the guy who did Friday Five. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
also a slight retraction um, on the passing about the directors. It's one of their favorite films of all time. If anybody comes back to say, you you said it's the absolute favorite. It's like, okay, sorry, one of their favorite of all time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a director say, this is the absolute, like, my favorite movie. Like, nothing compares to this one. It's usually, oh, oh, these are my favorite films. That's not true. Uh, Steven Spielberg has said that before. Well, I mean, I said I've never heard, so I mean, it was true because and I've Spielberg never heard him say that. His favorite film of all time is Little Nicky. Oh. See, uh, Austin, this is why I, I miss you around because too. you make a joke and Nick just looks at you like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. But, uh,. Yeah. yeah, and I, I like how visceral the ending is, too, because, like, it's it's just shot, like, real up close, and you just watch him, like, jump through the window, and the glass shattering is, like, almost overpowering in the sound mix. Yeah, it's, like, deafening, yeah. <laughs> and then you get the, the pastor who just happened to be there where the guy landed. Although, maybe this is just the cynical part of me. I laughed a little bit at him rolling down the stairs. So... Things about that. So that staircase is very real. That's not a set thing. Mm-hmm. People who have gone there, and I can att- and people I trust attest. No, that thing is a death trap. That is a very, probably, very, yeah. very long staircase, and it is very steep. Yeah, people can absolutely die on that thing. It's it's that thing is not safe at all. But has anybody ever had their head turned completely around though? <laughs> Why don't you uh, try it on camera for us, Austin? <laughs> well, it's not going all the way. Uh, you can't do it with your hands. It's got to be just the head. Okay. Yes. I keep expecting you to hear just a loud crack. That is like <laughs> it's like that scene in like uh, what was it, Dark Knight Returns or or something like that, where like Joker just like cracks his head completely. Yeah, it's Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> I mean, part two, I think. But, uh, yeah, because yeah, all the Joker stuff is in part two. Yeah, it's in so. issue three, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's... I mean, there's a lot to say, I guess, about the stuff in the... Like, talking about the movie and some of the themes of the movie. But overall, this is a very simple, like, premise in, a, in film. Uh, which we've said a lot on the show because the best horror usually is a simple story. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're Saw, when then the complication is what makes it amazing because you have no idea what's happening. Yeah, well, and this movie <laughs> does a really good job because obviously I know horror has a uh, bit of reputation. a stigma. Yeah, reputation. Yeah. And I think this movie does, uh, like a lot of great horror does, um, where it kind of elevates that material and makes it more of a movie. <laughs> you know, we like the characters and story on their own are really good too. And they spawn a lot of mediocre sequels. <laughs> I mean, I've heard th- I've heard three is great, but I need to see it. Well, sort of three well. doesn't really have anything to do with an exorcism. They just slap that title on there. Well, yeah, because three is William Peter Blatty uh, adapting his other book, Legion. Ah, uh, but it's got Brad Dourif in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Yeah, Omen 3 has a Sam Neill. I'm going to watch that at some point. I know it's bad, but I'm going to watch it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it can't be any worse than Omen 4, which was made for TV. Like, Canadian made for TV movie. The Omen Holiday Heist. <laughs> No, so, Austin, so I think I said it to you, but it, that's the one about Damien's daughter, who is now the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah they, right. they uh, call it Omen for the Awakening, starring Faye Grant, apparently. And that uh, famously inspired The Force Awakens. Oh. I think we've covered a majority of The Exorcist, uh, most of the stuff, but... Austin. Oh, we gotta talk about uh, Max Van Sydow, who is awesome in this, and he, I think he's in—he's uh, in elderly makeup the entire time, and he looks great. Is that the pastor? Uh, yep. Okay, because uh, so I rented this on Vudu, and I did not realize that he was in elderly makeup. However, I think there is a couple of shots towards the end where you can tell because he's like really, really unnaturally pale, but that might also just been the transfer I was watching. Maybe, yeah. Well, and I know also, um, like, famously, sure. uh, they made that set, like, really cold. Like, that is their breath coming out. I don't know if that maybe impacts Oh, interesting. That. Yeah, no, with uh, their breath, that's because it is that cold. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Because uh, uh, we talked a little bit, uh, John and I, today about how much of a bastard Will, uh, William Friedkin was when making this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, um, I, f I feel it's important to at least mention it, because it is important, I think, to the making of this film. Uh, and Austin, you are you know quite a bit about this, so I'm going to let you kind of take over for a minute and just talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's very much that kind of, I don't, I can't really say like old school Hollywood. It's more like a middle ground uh, where we kind of got to a point where directors could kind of do whatever they wanted to get the best product. Uh, so William Friedkin would do things like he would carry a gun on the set and he would fire it off to like scare cast and crew. Um, uh, Linda Blair broke her back while making the movie uh, because she was like in a harness. It's the scene where she's flailing around on the bed and they like went way too hard on her and it broke her back. Um, in the uh, like kiss me mommy scene or whatever, uh, the mom's like head goes flying into the wall. Like she was hooked up to a rope, and they they yanked her, and like she really did smash her head off that wall. <laughs> like there was just a lot of uh, a lot of craziness going on. It's yeah, very much of that era. Yeah, a lot of people call this an exploitation film. This is one of the reasons why, because freaking he didn't care. He just wanted to really bring out a do, lot of... Do people call this an exploitation film? Because I don't really some, think this is much of an exploitation film. Some do. It's, um... At the time, I'm sure that was probably thrown out a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know about now, but... It's a bit nebulous in what ways to consider what is an exploitation film by today's standards or whatnot. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was lumped in a lot with you know, more more of what you consider to be more like grindhouse pictures and whatnot. Well, it's something that offends me quite a bit, which is uh, ghost exploitation, uh, which I am not a fan of. Because <laughs> he is the day ghost. Exactly. No, demon exploitation uh, or uh, yeah, spiritual exploitation. <laughs> I, I can see this being labeled exploitation in the 70s, 
But I think at this point it's not. Well, at this point, it's just because exploitation cinema. to me says, you know, that's in the same like sub genre as something like Last House on the Left or um, like I Spit uh, on Your Grave, or, which uh, those are like you know really trashy like. Yeah, no, this film still. I mean, still, it's a uh, topic of discussion uh, to this day, uh, labeled with the uh, greatest horror film of all time uh, label. They're all wrong. It's Evil Dead (laughs) 2. There's a case for it, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of them. And uh, at the end of the day, it just comes down to personal preference. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, there is no such thing as the greatest horror film. It'll be, it's like anything else, right? There's like, these are the five greatest and it'll change depending on who you ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you don't say like Halloween four, cause then you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you say, if you say a sequel or a remake to a John Carpenter film and not the John Carpenter film, you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know, man. The remake of the fog was, was something. Look, I didn't like the original Fog uh, to begin with anyway, so the remake didn't help matters either. So I don't know. All right, so um, we're going to start with Austin for final thoughts, and then if he doesn't have any, his score. Calculating. There's a progress bar being filled. Um... We can see it, too. I wish I was a better editor. I would just put, like, a progress bar. <laughs> Um, I think the uh the actress that plays the mom is wonderful. Uh, her slowly breaking down over the film is like amazing. She's uh really good. Um, oh, what do you guys think of the like subliminal stuff, like the the famous Captain Howdy shot? I thought it was really it was well integrated and if I had blinked I would have missed it. But luckily I didn't blink and I don't know what that face was, but it was spooky. <laughs> well then uh like Milton, you watch the director's cut which has like No, oh, it will have like some little flashes every so often, especially like the face of the actual demon Pazuzu. You'll sometimes see some glimpses of his like makeup and like skull face kind of thing, like in certain mm-hmm. things, sometimes it even emanates off of Reagan. Sometimes, if you look closely mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too is because you watch the director's cut uh, while John's only seen the theatrical. I've seen both. Um, the director's cut has a lot more of it, uh, and a lot of people say that it's kind of overused in the director's cut. Um, like, what um, did you think about that? I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's fine. Uh, I get more of what I like. Granted, perhaps maybe sometimes doing it less does have an, a desired effect of, you know, less is more sometimes. So I can understand why some people would say it. I wasn't bothered. I think they did it a fair amount. amount of yeah, I think some of the new additional, uh, like, subliminal things are really cool. Like, there's a shot where the mom is leaving uh, Reagan's room and just you either see it or you don't in the darkness of the room there's the statue of Pazuzu that you see at the beginning in Iraq yeah interesting I'll have to watch this director's cut uh, this Halloween I think so okay so I guess last question before we move on to scores 
Uh, and Austin, this is for you because, like I said, I'm going to pick on you. Pick on you today. Uh, but no, it's because you're the only one who's seen both cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your preferred cut of this? Uh, um, gun to my head uh, maybe theatrical like it's slightly tighter just because it's cut shorter Um, they're they're both really good like it's watch both of them like not back to back (laughs) (laughs) oh god that would be terrible Uh, but they're both really good like I don't think the director's cut really is a step above or below okay that's interesting. My heart is closer to director's cut because I saw that first. So that's just where my taste line. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I thought you'd only that. seen the director's cut. No, no I've seen both. Um, okay. But, but theatrical cut is good, too. You can't really go wrong either way. If you really like this exactly. movie, watch the director's cut. You'll get more footage. I will, uh, I will watch that this October. Uh, I try to watch as many horror movies as I can in October. Uh, and I'm already kicking ass in, uh, Austin's ass in uh, 2021 movies. Kissing Aston's ass. Kicking Austin's ass in uh, how many 2021 movies I've seen. So I'll take a break and let him try to catch up. <laughs> I don't know when we started competing, but <laughs> it's a thing now. It's a thing, thing now. now. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I'll go ahead and start with the scores. Uh, I'm going to give this a five out of five. It was. It's one of the best horror movies ever made, and like it earned that reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with Milton. He gives it two palms up. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I meant I meant to do like five out of five. It's great. Yeah, it deserves to be on, but be on the best list. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Austin. Uh, four point five. N- no oh. five. <laughs> Been a while since we've had a unanimous five out of five. Uh, I guess maybe it's not because we had Shauna dead, Shauna the Dead. We got some good movies every so often, so it's. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, I'm keeping track of all of our five out of fives. All yeah, right, we'll put, the, we'll put this on the wall of best of the best. So, this one gets a gold star by me. And yep, so it gets to go up on the fridge. So the next movie, of course, is The Omen, directed by, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the late, great Richard Donner. And I kind of wish I had either watched this first or separated them. Because uh, I don't know if my viewing of The Exorcist hurt my viewing of The Omen or what. But there was big chunks of this movie that I was kind of bored by. Um, so, so for this viewing, I actually watched The Omen first before I watched The Exorcist. I still think The Exorcist is a better movie personally. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind. It's so, yeah. I'm going to let Milton uh, start us off with this one. I just wanted to give a little preamble. I'm going to get okay. a drink while you're talking, but I'm going to carry this with me. You're just going to get a tour while I'm walking. Oh, <laughs> we're getting a Canadian tour for free. I, I almost just don't want to talk while Lawson does this. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, I'll describe it. So, yes, The Omen. Um which uh, debuted in 1976, stars Gregory Peck as Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck becomes the ambassador from the United States to Great Britain. I should say the United Kingdom, actually. Oh, are we going to get the return of the ice? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Gregory Peck is married. He adopts a child 
where it's kind of alluded that something isn't quite right. There's a few key events that eventually allude that something more and more that there's something odd about this child, as well as the things that happen around him. And eventually it he realizes, despite everything that he tries to deny and all the omens that come around, that the child is actually the son of Satan. Wait, you're drinking coffee creamer? Uh, no, that's... No, it's it's French vanilla. And it's revealed that the day that's ghost coffee is creamer. actually Damien I don't from think the it Omen. Is. Dude! Oh, no, wait. No, it... wait. No, I was just joking. That was a bit. <laughs> uh, that was, that oh was my god. Break. That was low breaking but um anyway so gregory peck like goes around the world to try to figure out what he should do about his son his adopted son damien there we go i'm sorry i'm just <laughs> you almost drank coffee creamer no that was the comedy bit yeah, whatever. yeah this is why i wonder i should have waited <laughs> but yeah but yeah that is i'm sorry i didn't mean to it. It, no, no it's fine um, but yeah, Gregory Peck puts in a great performance as usual because he's Gregory Peck and <laughs> he can do no wrong. Um, we have our child actor who is okay, but you, you know, he's his performance is not supposed to be the thing that most people focus on. It's more of the concept of what of what he is of being a essentially a body possessed by the Antichrist, essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah, it's not... Lee, Lee Remick is also a good uh, actress for uh, the wife of the ambassador. So, yeah. yeah, the horror, unlike The Exorcist, isn't built around the kid uh, in The Omen. Uh, so, unlike Linda Blair, where a lot of it has to rely on her physical performance, um, Damon is also almost kind of like a non-presence in this movie. Yeah, not to like certain sections where he well I can't actually agree with that because he does have presence because sorry has, that, that's maybe a bit a bit harsh um yeah he's definitely not a strong actor certainly it's a child actor being I guess more okay. so what I meant was like he is not the focus of the horror like Linda Blair was in The Exorcist um yet you get there's other stuff that you're more focused on like you get stuff with the nanny, you get stuff with the dogs, and also a lot of it is, you know, Gregory Peck, like a way his eyebrows. In his eyebrows. Hey, get on the Antichrist. <laughs> and kind of figuring out what's happening. As opposed to, like, if Linda Blair in The Exorcist doesn't work, then the horror oh. in that movie doesn't work. Yeah, I. I feel like, because I actually would like it if they committed to that, what you said fully, unfortunately, and I wish it would have been some other way, but Damien does cause his mother's accident and essentially throws her off the balcony, which I wish that would have been done in a different way, because otherwise, I would think it would be stronger if it's just stuff that happens around Damien, rather than just, you know, Damien is actually directly involved in the scene. It's... Yeah, like the stuff that was most interesting to me in this movie was once we get Gregory Peck to Rome and he's, like, trying to unravel this mystery. Um, I didn't feel that same kind of... And obviously, like you mentioned, it's a very different type of horror. 
but it felt like he was like Donner's trying to build kind of suspense. Like, is Damien really doing this on purpose? Is it all just coincidence? But none of that played as well for me. And maybe part of that is this movie, especially like in the mansion, I think is almost overly lit at places. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this I don't know. It, this wasn't terrible. I liked it. But it was also a huge step down from The Exorcist. It's definitely a mixed thing for me. Um, I, I really like it. I like the characters' performances. I think it is a very strong beginning, especially when we get into like the first inciting incident of something is really wrong when you know the nanny hangs herself from. I've I've always wondered where that scene comes from, and now I know where it comes from. Where essentially she says, "Damien, you, it's all for you." And yeah, I, I think that scene is shot very well, and I think it's very well handled. That scene's great, yeah. And, and I think that scene is good, but I think spots. it comes too early in the movie. Well, because at least for me, and maybe, and admittedly, I can't separate what I already knew about this movie. Oh, we're going on a trip again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm dog sitting, and my bag was in front of his toys. Aww. So he was, he was. Scratching at the uh, yeah. chair over here. Yeah, speaking of dogs, uh, the use of black dog as an omen in of itself is actually a, a very old thing in folklore. So, I, yeah, I, I wondered if I that was like a hellhound thing because uh, obviously I don't know enough about this yeah, kind of stuff. But there, there's an omen of like a black dog being like a symbol of like impending doom in, mm-hmm. in some in some cultures and whatnot. Um, sailors would have a had a thing about that sometimes, um, but but uh, anyway, sorry to interrupt, Milton, just real quick because I don't want to lose the thought. No, you're good, Austin. Um, I would have put that the nanny scene later because or not had her say anything. I don't know if this is just me not able to separate what I already knew about this movie because obviously this is also a very that scene especially is very iconic. But you have somebody kill themselves and say that it's all for Damien. I'm instantly going to be aware, oh, something bad has happened. So I wondered if it's birthday, so, and like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, what I, if you're going to have her kill herself, maybe remove that line and leave it ambiguous, like, did she plan this? Was it a coincidence? Is this kid evil? Like, leave it a little more vague. Well, you see, I, I have a feeling in some ways that the film doesn't actually want it to be vague. That is instead making making a sort of theme of, like, this character is denying the omens that he sees because he wants to live comfortably. Because mm-hmm. I think the movie is trying to make it obvious, especially from the start, that there is something wrong here, that there's something very unnatural going on. Because we constantly see homages before then of some stuff just being wrong with Damien. I don't think... I think the film wants... A, wants rather than us catching up with the protagonist... It wants the protagonist to catch up with what we understand. All the while, we're telling Gregory Peck, "You got to take care of this. You got to accept Christ into your life, or something like that, for protection against uh, Satan. You got to kill the Antichrist." And you know, spoilers: he doesn't. He gets shot because he just didn't regard the telltale signs. I mean, they made four of these, and he didn't listen. Well. 
point being, I don't. I think this movie telegraphs that sort of thing on purpose and doesn't really. It's not the suspense of us figuring out the mystery. It's the suspense of when the character will get up the nerve to do something. Which, matter of taste, I don't know if I like that exactly. Yeah, but the thing, but but it's well it's well delivered. So despite the fact that it's a concept I don't exactly like a whole lot in terms of pacing, it's still Gregory Pack. So. Yeah, and some of this, obviously, with this movie is more down to taste. Um, because part of the problem, at least for me, is if you already tell me what's going on and then I have to wait for the character to figure it out, I don't think that's as interesting as figure as it would be if you're figuring it out with the protagonist. Because um, I'm just like, yeah, you're just realizing shit I've known since like 20 minutes ago. We're getting so many tours of Austin's house. Yes. I'm right. honored. <laughs> Milton's like I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> He's barking somewhere. I don't know where he went. It's an it's an omen, Austin. Don't search after him. But uh <laughs> I, I did quite enjoy Gregory Peck's performance. This is the first thing I've really seen him in. Um Really? I I'm, oh, I I'd actually be surprised if that's true. You you've never seen like twenty thousand leagues under the sea or um like West by North by Northeast, sorry. Or he's in a lot of movies. To Kill a Mockingbird? No. I hated the book. Um, Well, he's in a lot of classic movies. This is Well, and keep in mind, I'm not a classic movie person. Um, Well, depending on how you define classics, because obviously I like classics of a certain genre, but... Stuff like To Kill a Mockingbird and stuff I've never seen. But uh, I was quite impressed with his performance here. I think he does a good job at being like kind of a man of and power thrust into a situation where he has no power. Uh, Richard Donner, I will I have to give him credit because I think he did a wonderful job with the directing. There's certain shots that I think are really good, although the shot where Damien's mom is falling, it does that like I don't know, like almost kind of like a spin and zoom thing, and that. That made me laugh more than anything. Uh, so maybe I'm just a cynical bastard, but... So Austin, now that you've uh, finished giving us tours of your house, what do you think overall of The Omen? Um, so I watched this movie for the first time when I was like... Uh, 13? And it like scared the hell out of me. I was like... Oh my god. Really? Like, yeah, this movie's awesome. And I was super excited to rewatch it. And through parts of it, I was like, yeah, like I 100% get it. The other parts, I was a little like, eh. But it was also, I watched it at 7 in the morning, and we stopped talking, and I went to bed at three in the, 3.30 in the morning. So I don't know how much of that was the movie, and how much of that was... Me. <laughs> um, but no, I I don't know, I really enjoyed watching it this time, to be honest. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. I really like certain certain concepts too. Like I like the the I I don't entirely understand why it happens. It's just kind of like a a thing you just accept, but the like the camera motif 
uh, where the character takes pictures of things and you can see how people dies through them. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all, but I was like, okay, um, sure. <laughs> There's a whole thing about, I forget which culture it was in, but the idea of that a person's soul can be caught through camera or sometimes even trapped inside of the camera. That was like so, a big thing early with cameras, yeah. Yep. Uh, it was in more like, quote-unquote, primitive cultures or ones that didn't have that sort of thing. But, yeah, there's a whole thing of, like, like a picture kind of, like, freezes a moment in time, and you're able to see more clearly in hindsight in some ways. So I think it's dealing with that theme in a little bit. Uh, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I really liked all the performances in this movie. Um, I really like the the nanny. I think she's really creepy. Especially, we do a lot of like the shots of her eyes. Or the governess. Uh, the governess, I think, is what the title. I forget her name. Who is it? I quite enjoyed the nanny. I'm not sure how I feel about the mom. And it might just be like um, he's doing like a very it's time performance for that character. Mm-hmm. I was just like, hey, he's Billy just kind of here, Ball. like. Um, that's yeah, fair. like yeah, Billy Whitelaw <laughs> is her name, and I think she actually That's puts in a great performance. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, I agree. The nanny was great, and she's got this like. At first, it's kind of like innocent manipulation. Stare, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, for the moment there, I could realize something was wasn't quite right because, like, wait, who called you? It's like, oh, uh, well, they just phoned me. And- told me to show up here are my references Blow and i like door. how she completely Amy drops that she wants to, to call you. the agency yeah yeah but it's it's that sort of character thing of like these these people are asleep in their lives they want comfort they don't want to acknowledge that something is wrong in their lives it's it's in many ways it's like the the idea of i imagine hereditary probably has takes some inspiration from this as well of people kind of being asleep while living in some ways, being very yeah, unalert. It's, it's the idea that you kind of, you you paint over the negatives with positives, right? Like, yeah. your baby dies. I'm not going to tell my wife, I'm just going to, I'm going to take this baby, that this was our baby. Yeah. You know? And that kind of just, that idea is, I think, very much that character throughout. Yeah. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, Gregory Peck spends the first half of this movie in denial. Um, I think most of my issues with this with this movie is maybe pace is maybe the script itself. I would have focused more on like when he's in Rome because that's kind of the cool stuff. And there's just kind of scenes in the first half where it's just them at home and like it's supposed to be, I think maybe building tension or you know furthering. Oh, there's something wrong with Damien. But then Damien's not really in this enough because there's big chunks where I like where the hell is he? Like I forgot he was here for a minute. Well, I guess I, who? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Actually, no, Austin, you go ahead. Cause I was going to say um, more than The Exorcist, this film has seventies pacing. I'd say. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a Donner thing. Yeah, for me personally, I am. I actually go the opposite way that you do, John. I would. I thought the stuff at home was more interesting. I was almost hoping that they were going to do something like The Shining did, did later, where we kind of focus in on the house, because we get a tour of the mansion kind of like starting out, like a little bit, 
I would hope they would have committed to it. The bright lighting would like eventually get like a bit darker. It did later in some portions, and we would eventually get something like like claustrophobia, as the things that happen around Damien slowly start to encroach upon the house. Um, we get a, I get a bit of that in a later video game that was made like, uh, like a few years back or something like that on on PC, where you you essentially play the events of the Omen through uh, this. I was telling game. Austin about that today. I uh, I actually just picked that up on Steam for ninety nine cents. Um, so let's play coming soon. Question yeah, mark? I would I would say so. Um, but yeah, that's that's that for me delivered on what I probably would have wanted from the Omen, like this gradual, not necessarily from Damien's perspective, but from you know Gregory Peck's perspective, just being almost trapped in this house because his wife is is having issues, his son's having issues. You can't trust the governess, and it's slowly being revealed of how she's an evil person. Um, I don't know. I think this movie, though, that definitely understands because they're dealing with the mystery of like, what? Where's the justification? Why are you, why are these priests acting this way? What yeah. do the numbers mean, Mason? Yeah. So, I think you could remake this again. Uh, I know we tried in the mid two thousands, but like. Yeah. 2006, I think. Austin, hear me out. basically shot for shot. <laughs> Austin, hear me out, though, okay? Robert Eggers or Ari... Ari, um... Hereditary Ari Astor. Ari Astor. Oh. Ari Arad... No, wait. God Ari damn, Aster. Austin. Ari Astor. <laughs> Ari Astor is the omen. But it's not three hours long and set on a deserted island. Well, you already just went away from what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ambassador to the United Kingdom gets trapped on the Isle of Man. And well, yeah, and it'll be a sequel to Midsummer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously both this and The Exorcist deal with kind of themes of religion, but from a different angle. Um, I thought it was kind of funny when you first meet the priest and he's just kind of like a babbling madman. Uh, like he's he's not babbling though. What he says <laughs> makes sense from like theological thing because it's like Gregory Peck is like not Christian. It's like if you save your household, you might be able to like get salvation and be safe. Okay, but, he, but he if you're it. if you're talking to a person who's not that religious, is, you're right, babbling. I suppose. Because I was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I know what you're talking about because I know what the plot of this movie is. But I'm thinking from the pr- protagonist's perspective, well, no wonder you don't believe, he doesn't believe you. You're babbling like an idiot. Um, that's the last time Milton will ever be on the show. No? <laughs> <laughs> no, although I do wonder, like, with, yeah, Gregory Peck doesn't invite this sort of thing because he, he adopts a child without asking where the child came from. To yeah. basically cover cover up for the miscarriage from his wife. Well, and since we're on this yeah. path, we might as well talk as well about what I would I would almost call the film's twist, but it's not made like a huge, huge deal. Or maybe it is by 70 standards. Um I'm a little, like I said, outside my wheelhouse here. But it's, it's pretty big, yeah. The kid was murdered. It wasn't stillborn. Right. I think it's like a thing of 
there's an idea of baptism in some ways. I think of like unholy baptism where it's like rebirth through death or something like that. And I think that's what was implied that in order for like saying to get into the body or something like that, you had to kill the original child or something. I'm, I, I'm not sure. The film doesn't make it very clear what exactly I think happened. you way overthought it, my dude. They just killed the kid so that they would take the right kid. I also think it maybe doesn't play like as big of a twist because it is like it immediately follows uh oh my god, his mother was a jackal. <laughs> <laughs> I, must missed, I must have missed something in the funeral. I think it was like the pacing beforehand just was felt a little slow to me, but um but yeah, it's not that it didn't feel that much of a twist because I feel like I could see a lot of this coming from a mile away, so See, I didn't, I saw, I was surprised, but that's just because the film didn't give me any reason to think it was anything other than a stillbirth. Um, and then, of course, you get the revelation, the little baby skeleton with a big old hole in its head. And I'm like, they did that in the hospital? What'd they do with all the blood? Because the hole in that thing's head was pretty big. Like, there'd be, like, blood and brains and... Well, they put it in a garbage bag and then went, like, <laughs> off of a table corner. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. That's horrible. You said it. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> an awful, awful thing. And Yeah, in all seriousness, it's a very adult such material. A joke. There you go. Uh, that wasn't uh, a joke. I don't know why you guys were laughing. That was very that was very dark of you guys. God damn it, Austin. Oh um uh, bunch of sick sick fucks over here. Oh <laughs> damn. Um, um uh, Oh we gotta mention the score. Complete opposite of The Exorcist, where The Exorcist is a very, like Austin had mentioned, very 70s. I got a very, you know, Carpenter feel from it. This is a very, like, epic, for lack of a better term, score. Orchestral, I suppose, in some ways. Even if sometimes the movie, I don't know, quite deserves that that epic of a score. But, man, am I glad they went all out for it. That, the theme is wonderfully horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish it would have been quieter in certain scenes, but I I think the orchestral, orchestral soundtrack, I think, is a pretty cool uh, mix, especially, as you said, for the theme. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is something also we uh, we didn't really mention in The Exorcist, but the theme of that movie is like a 30-second like piece of a song <laughs> they play in it. As opposed to this, which actually has, you know, a theme, like, that plays over the uh, intro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that feels more 70s, is we get a full, uh, like, opening credits. So, what this movie kind of ends on, I would say, it, this is one of those movies, you know, where it's not really a happy ending. I've heard The Omen 2 is quite... is decent like it's obviously a step down from this one um do you guys think they should have made a sequel and like further explored damien's psychology no um for me personally i think just having it be open-ended um adds to the horror element of this movie 
if you mm-hmm. try to flush things out later, it's the original conceit of it is that Gregory Peck is denying the omens that he sees. Beyond this point, it's like, what can you do but the same thing all over again with a new character? And I don't, I don't know if the whole retread of themes is like an effective way to go about telling the story. Yeah, and it ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy in that they've, you know, try to stop Damien from getting political power, which is, you know, the big thing that uh, he is going to get, or like that he wants, and they end up giving it to him. Yeah, because he's, he's in the company of the President of the United States at mm-hmm. the end. Um, honestly, seeing it from Damien's, Damien's perspective, I don't think it's effective, because Damien should seem alien enough. And trying to explain that, I think, detracts from the mystery in some ways. Mm-hmm. I think that's what works about him not like really being like as much of a character is that he is more kind of like out, uh, like alien and otherworldly. Don't worry, guys. Next, well, soon we'll be doing the Exorcist two and the Omen two. <laughs> Good luck, fellas. <laughs> One day we will, I imagine. I. <laughs> No, it's Austin like a, and it's I like, have, it's, have it's, plans for, for shit like that. It's like a double whammy of disappointment. <laughs> no, disappointment is the Omen 3. Sam Neill's in it and he couldn't save that movie. Right as best, I imagine. But, uh, alright, Austin, final thoughts? Uh, unless there's anything else we should bring up. Now, what did you guys think of like the kills in this movie? Oh, yeah. The I... the beheading one made me laugh because it's so bloodless. Yeah, it's like the practical effects of that thing. And what? How much spaghetti sauce do you, chunks do you want flying? I want know. all the spaghetti chunks. Okay, like that you just seventies this seventies movie, no blood. That would have been cool. Have you seen Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. If that's no. if those scenes, especially like the impalement scene of the spear coming in the priest's body, I love these kills. If they had put blood in it, this pro this movie probably would have never been released, and different race boards like, and the, you know, the United Kingdom would have banned it in several counties again, like they did in The Exorcist, because this was this was still in the era where a lot of groups were up in arms about this is what seventy six, yeah. This was still in the time of that that up, yeah. uprisal. I mean, the, the kills are fine. Like, I'm I'm just kind of joking about the blood. It's whatever. Um, it's just kind of funny watching somebody get beheaded and there's no blood. No, very true. It's a fair point concerning mm-hmm. you know, props in the scene. I I I think it's interesting that at least a couple of them, like the journalists, are almost self like Austin mentioned with uh, Damien rising to power. Uh, Self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah, the the journalist one, like, is one of the big things that like scared me as a kid. It was just because like you knew it was coming the whole time and there was no stopping it. It was just like that that idea when you're 13. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh I, mean, I grew up watching the Final Destination movies and that the idea of those scared me. I actually thought about that today. If you would have that kind of. Uh, thought with this because that death specifically is very um, Final Destination. Final Destination, yeah. Which I can't wait to cover those. I love those films, no matter how bad they get. Have you seen all of those? I have seen two, three. 
and five. I saw five in the theater. Okay. Five, so I've you've seen, seen two of the best ones. Two and three are one, two, and three are the best ones. Yeah. And I've seen none of them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jocking. <laughs> but uh three is the first movie I saw Mary Elizabeth Winstead in. because uh, I saw that in theaters. And I still remember the tanning bed death, because that shit's like brutal. But anyway. Um yeah, so pretty good movie. Uh I think it's a, a major step down from the Exorcist, but it's it's still it's decent. Um Yeah, watching them the order you did I think definitely hurt. I actually had that thought uh when you told me you were watching the Exorcist first, but by that point you were already like half an hour in. So I wasn't gonna be like Yeah, you should probably maybe <laughs> watch the other <laughs> watch the omen first. <laughs> Yeah, I, I might revisit the Omen this this Halloween, like separate of the Exorcist, and see if it holds up. Follow us on Instagram; the link is down in the description below. I post horror movie reviews from Letterboxd on there, and if yeah. I rewatch the Omen, smash that like button, and smash, smash that, that subscribe, subscribe button. button. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I post horror movie reviews on on Instagram when I am watching something I'm not going to review for the channel. And I will put, or if it's something I'm rewatching, so I will put an Omen review on Instagram this October if I go back through it. If it's streaming by then, because I ain't paying for this shit again. Well, it was streaming here, so. Oh, fuck which, you, is, Canada. which is another I, thing. I this saw the movie. Omen through YouTube. It had a free version right there, just available for free. <laughs> Thanks for saying something, asshole. <laughs> you didn't ask me, so. Uh, so this film is, of course, a 20th Century Fox film. So, oh, it is. So when are we going to get the Jacob Tremblay starring uh, Disney Plus original remake? Dude, why, why isn't it on Hulu yet then? I'm not sure. It's on Disney Plus here. That's how I watched it. You, back that and the remake. I need a VPN. <laughs> Austin, watch the remake for us and tell us how it is. Uh, so as a kid, I remember seeing the trailer for the remake a lot. And now I know that it's basically shot for shot, but the only thing that stuck with me from the trailer was, like, the most cliched horror thing ever, where the mom, like, closes the window, and it's like a giant horse demon face in the mirror next door. <laughs> See, the only thing I remember like, is, I was a teenager, I was early teenager, early teens when that came out. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, they released a horror movie on 6606, I gotta go see that. And then well, I just that... saw it on DVD one day. <laughs> That's the big thing. Like uh, the produ a producer somewhere was like, six 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 is coming up. We 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 need to make a movie quick. Uh, uh, remake the Omen. It's, we don't have much time left. Dude, say what you will about that movie. That is marketing genius. We're gonna like, have all of our fans of print six 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 on their foreheads oh. and cut their hair in a weird way. But... We're gonna put chemicals in the water to turn the freaking frags into six six sixes. Turn them into Satanists. So anyway, anyway, Austin, what is your final I want to score? see that remake where instead of dogs, it's frogs. <laughs> uh, what is your final score for the Omen? I'm gonna give it a four. I feel like I'm higher than you guys are, but I'm gonna give this a three out of five. It is a it is definitely an above average movie. 
I feel like I'd be doing it a dishonor of giving anything lower than that. Um, Richard Donner, I think, does a, or Richard Donner does a really good job at making some scenes better than others. But overall, I think the script is lacking in some areas, and there's some weird choices here and there for me personally. Um, but yeah, as a first time, my first time watching it, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, for me, I say 3.5. I kind of fall in the middle, recognizing both reasons. Um, Gregory Peck is just one of my favorite actors. Watch more movies with him. I think no. his performance sells quite a bit of it. I think there are dry spots, definitely, in some of the script writing that could have helped, uh, could have been helped a bit, as always, with tightening the pacing. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. We um a thing we mentioned at least like I mentioned with uh, the Exorcist is that balance between William Friedberg and William Peter Blatty. This film's missing that. Like it's just you have a really great director, <laughs> some guy. <laughs> yeah, but funny thing that you should mention frogs as a thing. You know, as an omen of sorts of portending doom. Because oh, I was because... reading through. Hellboy, Seed of Destruction, <laughs> in which the author kind of describes in African Tales that frogs can sometimes portend doom. Why frogs, am I talking which, about this, John? Frogs are a big part me, of that storyline. You beat me to it. Tomorrow, Sunday, uh, July 18th at 7pm, Milton Man-Thing, The Day Ghost, and I will be reviewing Hellboy, Seed of Destruction, the first arc Oh, and Austin's gonna get the book for me because I was—I wanted—I meant to grab it. Yeah, there it is. Woo! Uh, we may be joined by our friend Doolittle, who you will remember from the Nightmare on Elm Street review. Look at that art! <laughs> Just look at all the beauty in that miniseries. Look and at then, all the beans. <laughs> and then, uh, Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. So I hope to see you guys there. It'll be our first comic review. We've got a few, I think, in the queue. Uh, Milton and I have talked about doing some Buffy comics and some Walking Dead comics. Um, and then potentially next Sunday, because uh, I just keep announcing things, I'm uh, taking a book page out of Austin's book. If Austin is free, we might do the, uh, we might start some Evil Dead regeneration because I've been wanting to show him that game. Uh, and Milton, you're of course welcome, but. That's one I specifically want Austin there for because it's Evil Dead. Sure. And he's uh Groovy. The biggest Evil Dead fan I know besides myself. Um But yeah, that was the Exorcist and the Omen. Uh good good choices, Austin. Uh and I like I said, it's always good to have you on. Somebody to actually bounce jokes off of besides this brick wall over here. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just laconic. Come on. <laughs> You're what? You know, the thing that uh, Oz said in one season of uh, Angel, you know, I think it was like the second episode, you know, doesn't talk a whole lot sometimes, you know, muted expression. That sort of thing. Oh, speaking of Angel, uh, I, I have something to tell Austin later. I don't want to spoil it for you, but because uh, yeah. The Exorcist reminded me of an episode of Angel. Uh, um, well, or later, in any case. But uh, the Exorcist also clearly inspired an episode of the Lufrigno Hulk that I did a commentary on. Uh, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> oh, weird. I I haven't seen any of that show. 
It's uh, it's basically they do the reverse, but it's um, it's like a adult woman that's speaking. Like they, they dub like a little girl's voice over, and there's definitely some Exorcist uh, inspiration there. Yeah, but the Exorcist has uh, inspired a few things and oh, of course. all around. Um, a few genres. Psych. The show Psych has a as an episode just dedicated to remembering the Exorcist and like other possession movies and whatnot. So. My favorite band, uh, I've told Austin about them a few times. Ice Nine Kills has a song based on the Exorcist, um, but it's the novel rather than the film. Um, and they did it like a music video tribute and everything. I'll, I'll send it to you, Austin. You won't. I don't think you'll appreciate the song, but you might appreciate the video itself because they make like videos that are like a love letter to the. But anyway, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Thank you guys for hanging out. We appreciate it. I'm probably going to cut some of this stuff off at the end, but I may I might not because it's like the end. Who cares? Um, final thing to say before we go next week will be Fear Street Part Three which I have already watched, but I will be watching again, and Psycho Gorman. Austin, we'd love to have you there. Uh, I know it'll be kind of a commitment because you'll have to watch, like, four movies instead of just the two. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I still got to watch the, <laughs> all the Fear Streets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to check those out and Psycho Gorman, though. Or so. just watch yeah. Psycho Gorman. <laughs> well, he's got to watch part three of Fear Street, but you got to watch the first two parts to watch Fear Street part three. But yeah, Austin, uh, like I said, we'd love to have you there. And then after that, we will be doing Evil Dead and um, Sinister, right? Yes. Yes. Because I'm an idiot and keep getting it mixed up with Insidious. I don't know, all those like early to late 2000s, early Insidious. 2010s. Yeah. Uh, and we will have a special guest star for that. So that's our next two weeks. Uh, I'm really excited. It's Talk Some Evil Dead with Austin, finally. Uh, I can't believe we're at 25 episodes, Austin, and this, we're just now getting to Evil Dead. <laughs> Pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I will talk at you guys. we'll talk at you guys later. Thanks for watching, everyone. <laughs>